3: It's Monday, May 2nd, and this is Season 6, Episode 34 of the 4 Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Jeff. Hello. Tommy. What's up? And Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. We are recording live, well, in person at the Atlantic Bar. Uh, so we, you might hear the background noise of the bar, but that's, uh, uh, I think that's going to add to this, uh, the feel of this one, because it, it was kind of an exciting... Uh, exciting week I mean not the best performance that we've seen out of Spurs but uh, it got the job done and I think it gave us a lot to be excited about um, but we were going into this week and uh, we we saw a change in the lineup and I, that's where I want to start to start the conversation um, and I was going to start that conversation with a, a question that we have from Shubes
1: so, Tommy, do you have that question queued up? Yes. Uh, so, Shubes' question is, what do you think Conte sees in Lucas that has made his preferred pick over Stevie And lastly, safe trip to those Windy, Spur, Windy City Spurs flying over to London. And thank you. And I'll see you in a few, two weeks.
3: I can tackle it first. I mean, I think it really the, it has to do with position. I mean, I uh, mean, um, uh, Bergvine plays the same position as Sun, doesn't he? I mean, that's it, it. Just means that he's not gonna Sun's not gonna sit very much, and he's not gonna get that many opportunities. But Lucas can can play on the right, um, which is a more uh, more ebb and flow to that position. But uh, Kulishewski was sat for this one, which I think had a lot of us head scratching. Right, Tommy? <laughs>
1: well, I'm not head scratching that. I'm not actually. I'm actually was in favor of it. I mean, let's be fair. The past two matches, Deion was not good. I felt, regardless of that, the way the team played, something needs to be changed. And there you go. Um, whether it be one or two, three players, etc. cetera. Um, I think the argument of Sun being on the left wing and CBB playing left, that is a bad argument. And the reason is because back in the day when we had Pochettino as manager, Sun played on the right wing. So... And as we can tell from yesterday, Sun used his left foot for both of his goals. So, I don't think that mattered. I think it's just kind of a balance because, like, let's be realistic. Lucas Mora, I mean, he, he is more limited, but he has more outright pace than Dayon. He drew some fouls, and he made things run a little bit quicker. Uh... In terms of CBB, I mean, I don't know what he has to do to get a game. Um, When he's played recently, he's played pretty decent. um, Or even for Netherlands, he's done well. So, I don't know. I mean, Son, I mean, during February and March, he probably should have been benched. Even though he's probably been our best player this season, but he's been hot and cold. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we got the win. So... If he doesn't get a start
3: for Burnley, he's probably not going to get a start for the rest of the season. Is probably what it comes you mean down Berg to. Vine or uh, yeah, Bergvine, Yeah, I
1: mean, he could start against Norwich because it. Re- I mean, realistically, if we beat or we lose or beat Arsenal, and depending on if our and beat Burnley, our and our place, whether it be Champions League or Europa League, is cemented. CBB could start against Norwich because a Norwich is going to be is already relegated if we win or lose against Norwich and there is no impact might as well throw him out there just to showcase him for any potential suitors
3: I I guess I could see it yeah. if if the match doesn't really matter but I just don't see it not mattering at this point Um, but
0: but we we can see what happens Uh, Jeff Yeah, and Burgoyne started to make noises in the Dutch media this week too that he was ready to go if he doesn't start getting more time and he doesn't think he's going to get more time yeah i think if he was more of a right winger he would get more time um and i understand contes thought process for this one which is you know lester's an open play team we were going to run more you know lucas is a runner um you know he whether he does anything at the end of those runs is another discussion but i understand why he did it um yeah, I still wish he would play Bergwijn more. I mean, Harry Kane never, ever comes off the pitch. You know, Supposedly, Bergwijn is his You know, backup. He's never going to get time there at striker. So I wish he was preferred to Lucas, but that doesn't seem to be the way Conte does it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think I was actually happy to see the change um, at the beginning when the lineup came out. I was really excited to see the change just because we needed to do something different. I mean, we've played the last two games without a single shot on target, which is just woeful, especially from a team like us that has the caliber to be throwing in four or five goals at a time on people. So it was really good to see the change. I think the thing I was most impressed, though, with Conti was it, it seemed like he was kind of sending a message to Kulachevsky saying you're not just automatically penciled in for a starting position. You still have to perform, even though he's been brilliant since he's been here. It's just he's been a ghost in those last two games. And he I think, what was it, Brighton? He had like maybe a dozen touches the whole game. So, I, I mean, he just kind of disappeared in those two games. So it was good to try something different with Lucas, who's able to drive the ball into space and just give us a different look than what we've been seeing. And I like the fact, though, that Conti came out right after halftime and made the swap to bring in Kulachevsky saying, okay, we made the sub or we, we made the change at the beginning of the game. I think the message was delivered and the message was received. And then at the same time, Lucas wasn't really giving us a whole lot. Um, He had a couple of nice runs, but that was it. So I I liked the fact that Conti didn't wait too long and was able to go ahead and bring back Kulachevsky on right away, right after half, and we saw that impact straight away. And he had two assists in the second half, and we looked like a far better team in that second half with Kulachevsky out there.
1: And within 15 minutes, nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. So So it was an
2: instant impact. So I loved that Conti was able to – Try something new, give us a different look. Didn't really go the way we wanted to, so we tried something else new that was kind of going back to the drawing board and brought back Kulachevsky and bang.
3: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the good first. Because this was a good result for us. And then we'll talk about the bad next. Because th- this
2: was kind of a mixed performance. Uh, so the good, we had some very uh, incredible say, goals. So As you say, one shot on target automatically means it was a better <laughs> result than we've seen. It's so better than the all we had do, Yeah, <laughs> all we had to do was have one shot and it was better than the previous two games. Right. So. Remember
0: under Nuno when... Like the the amount of time we went without a shot and goal was longer than Gone with the Wind. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now that was uh, that that was a
3: woeful experience under Nuno, but but uh, we we had like a we did get a goal in the first half, which was uh, something. It, it, it was on a set piece, which we don't score a lot on set pieces, and it was kind of a brilliant ball by. By Sun and Kane was able to head that ball in the back of the net. He was in the right spot. The ball went to the right place. Um, Yeah, they didn't defend it great, but 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 it was a pretty uh, impressive set piece goal, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I I think the it's just we always do. We like anyone that follows Tottenham and watches us week in and week out will always say they have to just be frustrated. To no end with the way we do set pieces We are one of the worst teams in the league By far when it comes to set pieces And we always do that thing Where we go near corner or uh, Near post And usually it gets deflected away Or we go short and we don't even get an opportunity There are times where I actually feel Nervous on our corners Because I think that they have a chance At breaking off our corner As opposed to us actually getting something So we get a corner and I'm more worried about giving up a goal Than getting one But um, it was good to see what happens when you just deliver in a good ball. You had mentioned the defense wasn't great. I think the defense was shocking. How how do you not mark Harry Kane on a corner? That's literally the one thing you have to do. It's not like we have a host of guys that are going to be itching to head that in. So to leave one of the best players in the world wide open on a corner like that, to just pick it with his head and just place it in the back of the net, was woeful from Lester. But it shows what happens when you can actually just – deliver in a good ball anything can happen they might have a lazy moment or a weird deflection it might fall to somebody's feet and get deflected around and like pinball around the box and something it's just things can happen when you drop in a good ball like that which Sun did and it was good to see because i think we had a couple of corners that were almost opportunities from i think dyer had one that he headed over the bar but like it was it seemed like we had much better delivery and when you have that delivery you have moments like that where it falls to Harry and you get goals. So, I was really impressed with the delivery by Son.
3: Yeah, no, I, I and I think you described it very well. Everything that we saw out of there. Any other thoughts on the first goal before we uh, move on to the second goal? And this second goal was uh, just such an amazing goal to me. And like, I'm not the type of guy that that can remember the build up to a goal very well, but this one I I remember because Romero was Romero like he he. He, he lost the ball, then he won it back with a perfect tackle that just sent it right up the, the field and, and we, we were off to the races on it and, uh, and then the son uh, on his, uh, I guess he doesn't really have a bad foot when all, all said and done, he can use either foot but not his best foot <laughs> um, just a beautiful goal all around like a, great work from everybody uh, to make that that was part of that play to make that happen,
2: yeah, I think it was was it Benton Kerr that like gave somebody gave the, Benton ball. Somebody, yeah, we yeah. lost the ball, and before they could even really make a run with it, like Romero came in and just slid in, took the ball off somebody. Next guy got it, slid in, took the ball off two people, just bashed it into Kucherov, who just. When he makes those runs, he just seems so strong and confident on the ball. He doesn't have blazing pace, but he knows exactly what he wants to do with it, and he's able to pick guys out and make that final ball, which is where I think we really see the difference between him and Lucas is Lucas loves driving it into space, but you don't see that end product. It seems like he's almost waiting for someone to stop him because he doesn't know where he wants to go with the ball whereas you can you can almost see the wheels spinning in Kulachevsky's head when he's making those runs where he's got like one or two options in his head that he's already weighing over to see which ball he should pick and where he should lay it off it's just it's really nice to see and it was he's done that already been here a couple of months and he's already done that to with son multiple times where he's able to find that last ball into son and find him in the box like that and I think that the finish by Son was class too. The way he was able to just dummy it out in front of him and spin around for his left foot was, I mean, you just can't stop that. So it was great to see. It was just overall just a really well-worked goal from about three or four different guys.
0: The crazy thing about Deke, too, I saw the stance today. He's sixth in the Premier League in assists. He's only been here since the end of January. You know, he's already got eight assists, so that's unbelievable. And Son, yeah, being able to score off both feet. In fact, Kante was joking after the game that he talked to him like, which foot do you like better, your left or your right? Because he can (laughs) score with both of them. And I know I gave him grief a little earlier in the year because he was kind of, you know, he's usually a streaky player and he was kind of in a rough streak, but that was like only one month really out of the year. It was a um, long month. It was a very long yeah. month. But it's amazing how consistent he's been. I mean, 19 goals, all from open play, right? Because he never takes oh, yeah. penalties. So.
1: I know. It's just – I mean, I'm thankful for what he's done. It's just – give me one season where he's just start to finish consistent. But to, that, 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 I'm like, I know he's probably one of our best players this past decade. It's just, you know – In terms of world class, I'm like, it isn't fully there. I would say he's in the hall of very, very good. It's just, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, it's kind of a good problem to have right now just because we have so many attacking midfielders, but... Would help if they get rotated in, but that's a whole other conversation.
3: Well, I heard something, and I'm not entirely sure that it's true, but it sounds like it could be to me. And I heard that if you take away penalties, Son would be leading the league in goals. He does, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was actually watching a match. Well, Lucas and I were watching a match of the day yesterday, and he would have like I don't know, at least two or three more goals than Salah. He would have like Son has 19 right now, if I remember correctly. So, I mean. Even so, if you look at it, if you look at it as a season as a whole, and it objectively as a non-Spurs fan, you're like, "Damn, that is impressive as hell." It's just, I do Maybe I'm one of, maybe I'm one of the people, but it's just like, "Yeah, but what about that? To- or what about that string of games?" I mean, I know I can't complain. Too- yeah, I'm well, like, I know yeah. I can't complain too much given the circumstances, and you know he's human, but. Uh,
3: well, that, that month that he was so bad was also right after we brought in the new players, and they were playing a little rough for a couple games, and some dragged out a bit longer than that once they started playing a bit better, but um, t- to be fair, like we were in kind of a transitionary period when he was uh, um, down uh, at his worst this season. And he certainly has turned it on the rest of the season, and he made up for it. So,
2: well, I also think it's a, I think it's a little unfair though too to be critical of Sun on that because it's it's not as if other world class players don't have down streaks as well. Like what we're asking out of him doesn't really exist. There's any player ever is going to have over the course of an entire season. It's going to have a bit of games run strung together where he's just not in his best form, and it sucks that. It came in a month where we had, like, what, four games on the road in 11 days, which were all really big games, so it sucked timing-wise. But look at Ronaldo. Ronaldo has a patch every once in a while where he won't have a goal for three or four games until Salah scored against uh, United uh, in the middle of the week last week, I think it was. Salah had, like, four games for Liverpool where he wasn't even sniffing the goals. So it's something that every attacking player – Goes through in a regular span of a season. Harry does the same thing. Harry, we're lucky when Harry has one of his like three-game goalless droughts. It usually means that Harry's dropping deeper and also assisting three or four goals a game because he's Harry Kane. But I just I think it's critical. It's unfair to be that critical of Sun because it's something we see every big elite player has bouts where they're just not in their best form.
1: I don't disagree with that assessment. It's I think Sun's dry spell... During that month, was just magnified because everybody else looked god awful too. So, like when Salah looked didn't look great, Mane, Firmino, whoever they they covered, picked up the slack or it masked the it deficiencies or his deficiencies at that time. So,
2: well, I think it's a that is a good point too because I think it's one of the things that you could argue is one of our biggest Achilles' heels. Really, is that we only have about it's pretty much just Kulachevsky, Kane, and Son that is going to be this, like, the source of our goals. So when Salah has a four-game off-streak where he's just not playing well, Liverpool has a thousand other ways which they can manufacture goals. We don't. So that's why I think we freak out harder on Son because when Son's having an off-streak, we are so much more heavily impacted by that than if like Liverpool or City or... Real Madrid has one of their top players have a bad couple of games they seem to be able to overcompensate in different areas where Sun is so crucial to how we operate and how we attack and score goals so when he is off it hurts us a lot lot more than it does other big name teams.
3: Just like when Kane's off his game or yeah. ha,
2: has an injury it it's a huge setback for us because there's no other solution yeah um, and that is something that we have to address going forward into next season is we have to find hopefully by adding <laughs> yeah hopefully by adding wingbacks which I think is a good transition to talk about something else from yesterday is I thought Seessenyong had a really nice game I didn't think he was great but um, I think for coming back and hopefully if he can stay healthy and get some get a good run of games in maybe get a good preseason in this summer he could actually be a pretty good wing back for us. So I, I hope, I, I really like the way he was able to drive forward yesterday a few times and get some balls over the middle.
1: Speaking of that though, and I know you, actually, you might disagree because you are a big critic of him, but uh, I think Emerson Royal actually played pretty well yesterday too. He didn't do anything really bad, but I thought he was good attacking, pretty decent defending. Like, based off of his current work, I, I can't complain too much. So, I, I think, I mean, I'm at, I'll probably be foreshadowing with MVP, LVP, but I'm like, Lucas Moore probably, I mean, he was fine, or he was fine for what he was, but he was, like, everybody else, I think, was at least average or above average. So, I mean, I will get to the negative parts about the game, but I'm like, I don't know, I just, yes, like, when I was at the bar yesterday, I wasn't really bitching a lot about a lot of play from certain players or even like or even when Winx came on for example I'm like help that we were up 3-0 at the time but I mean he didn't do bad
2: except I, on that goal I think yeah, it was, it was pretty was bad before yeah. when
1: Winx came off yeah. the bed. but uh, like I said before kind of with Sun it was I can overlook that just for the fact that uh, we were up three 0 so it's like, okay, we can give up another goal if we needed, if we wanted to, but we'd still get the three points.
3: Yeah, I think it was calculated at that point. Like uh, Bentancur had a, a yellow card; he was playing like a, a maniac oh out there,
2: and he was playing like he was itching for his second yellow. Every fifty-fifty yeah. ball he went in for, he was going in hard. And I was thinking to myself, "We're up by two goals. Calm the hell down." I was, because we can't roll in. I mean, we'll talk about Liverpool in the second half, but I don't think, I don't think any of us are very optimistic for that game. But if we were rolling into Anfield without Bentinker and Winks was starting, I think it'd be a lot worse. So that was what was on my mind: was please don't get a red card and get suspended for this Liverpool game because we're not going to be able to even keep that game close without Bentinker. So, I mean, I thought there really wasn't anyone that I thought played poorly in that first half or even throughout the game. But I think that kind of like what Tommy said. With Royale, is it's when when everyone else seems to be clicking on higher cylinders. It's okay to have a little bit of a mediocre to blah performance where we got guys like Sesson Young and uh, Kane and Son, and we had guys going forward and kind of creating from other options. So
3: yeah, and I don't think the wing backs were getting forward as much as Conte would want them to. But let's hear. I no, think I was, Jeff disagrees with. I just, I did,
0: yeah, I did think there was a clear cut player not playing well who was
1: LVP and that was Lucas um, I, mean, that, I mean I mean I don't want to <laughs> spoil it for everybody. but that, that, that's who I put yeah for LVP as well
0: I mean you know he, he had that stretch early on under Conte where he was contributing but this was bad old Lucas again where he just ran around headless until he found three players that he could get dispossessed by um, and you know turn the ball over uh, there was a stat, he only had like 24 touches, which was the fewest of any starter. He, his passing percentage was only like 73%. So this this was bad, Lucas, where he wasn't contributing anything. So Yeah, no, I, but I agree with you. But I agree with you. I thought I, everybody was, was good. I, I think so. a ma-
3: case could be made that Ben D- Davis had a, a, a handful of errors. He, he did have that one. Yeah, Like the one he, one he almost gave up a goal. Uh, um, oh, the if one if one it wasn't for Ramiro saving his ass, yeah. But um, and there was a couple like that that like he 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 kind of like on the defensive end. I think he was okay with doing his normal work, contributing, moving forward, keeping the ball moving. Um, but I think a case could be made that he didn't have the best performance either, especially that first half. Um, but that might have just been the only time that we we really had pressure.
2: <laughs> well, I thought Hugo had a couple of nice. Like saves that kept us in it early until we were able to get that lead and cement the game off. So I was like, I think he deserves a shout on that one where they like uh, Ben Davis was trying to close the guy down the wing and he was able to get that ball over. I forget who took the shot for them, but it was Hugo got like a finger to it, just tipped it off the post. That was clutch because I think at that point it was still nil nil. So that could have been a completely different game if Hugo didn't go down and make a hell of a save. That was then we're looking at being down one nil and then we've just got a whole different first half to worry about. So I think Hugo deserves a shout for that first half as well.
0: And Romero was amazing through the yeah, whole game. Jesus, I mean, yeah. that guy was everywhere. And this is like the second or third time in the last four games where he was that way. It was just Mr. You know, he bailed Davis out on that crappy play Davis made. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, the, the – the gulf in quality between him And Dyer and Davis is amazing You just see how head and shoulders Better Romero is And if all the rumors from the beat writers is true That they're looking to bring somebody in To replace Davis of about That same quality And then they'll let Dyer exist in the middle of that That would be
3: fantastic I mean, I think that's fine I, mean, I think Dyer can exist in the middle of two really talented Players yeah, We saw make it make look under look to- Toby and Jan. I yeah, mean, His
1: own raises level As well, but I mean, like, they like Romero or whoever the new guy is, like, from I think Braga is one of them. Like, you can direct Dyer and be like, whatever. Or Dyer has the freedom to move forward a little bit and kind of be that sweeper that can go all the way back or move up to midfield a little bit to start off play. So, I mean, I've kind of been a critic for Dyer. I know he's picked things up lately, which definitely helps, but I don't know. I think, ask me next season, depending on signings. So.
2: Well, I think Dyer's been fantastic this season. But I think, yes, I, ideally you would love to have three guys that are of the caliber of Romero. But I, I would also like to win the lotto tomorrow. I would like to <laughs> be six foot six and look like Ronaldo. There's a lot of stuff I wish would happen. But, like, if we're being realistic, we have a lot that needs to be addressed this summer. I think the biggest thing is wingbacks. And then from there – If we're looking at getting a couple of high-caliber wingbacks, that's a lot of money. If If we're looking at getting in guys of Romero's caliber, Romero's don't just grow on trees. Those guys are really expensive, and we got ridiculously lucky to even have him. So I think that... Realistically, if we're saying we bring in a guy that is on the caliber of Romero and then Dyer is the third guy in that back, and then Dyer's the weakest link there, that's something I'm r- more than okay with going into next season. Yeah, if we I can agree. address the other areas and Dyer's – because, again, like I said, Dyer's been great. Dyer doesn't, hasn't been costing us goals or making critical errors and stuff like that, touch wood, of course, because ask me again after Anfield on Saturday. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that if, if you get guys like – get uh, to bring in one more guy of Romero's caliber and it's him Romero and Dyer back there I, I think that's a hell of a defense going in and you add a couple of wingbacks that can actually play and get forward I-, I think that that's a really good start building blocks this summer so the uh, the thought of bringing in two just seems a little far fetched to me because I, I just can't see us spending. I could see us maybe bringing in one and then getting a young guy that could be maybe as like a future project or something. But I can't see us bringing in two ready made caliber Romero caliber center backs to join him.
0: Well, especially since we have to pay for Romero and Kulisevsky. Yeah, this exactly. Summer, plus anybody else that we want to bring in.
3: Well, and we and we need a midfield, another midfielder. We need a yeah. There's we, just we, so we, much. That we, needs we need to a address. backup striker. exactly. And, I mean,
1: and realistically, Lucas Moura and Steve Bergby, and like they're they're gone they, this they summer. Been, yeah. like... W- at least one of them has gone. So we need to replace one of them. Whether it be, I mean, I don't think Jack Clark set. I mean, John John kind of told us, but like. Jack Clark hasn't done really Set the world on fire at Sunderland So he's probably on his way out too So we gotta I'm, All I'm asking for is And Pratich's re- track record Has looked good thus far Is that just spend You don't need to make like kind of like Man City you can throw your money around But you don't need to break The bank you can spend 50 or 60 Million but you gotta get the right Players so
3: Yeah it's that's, that's the key like Ramiro was that type of purchase, like, and and we did it smart. We uh, we, we started out as a loan, so uh, so Atlanta could get all the the money for it. Um, and because we did that, they were more willing to play ball with us. But we can't drag out our moves this summer that far, or else I think we're dealing with the potential. And I don't know if the, I don't think the rumors are really true about it, but. We do run the risk of Conte wanting to leave if he's dissatisfied with the moves that we make this summer.
2: Well, he came out and squashed that uh, PSG talk and stuff this week. He came out and squashed that and said it was nonsense. And he seems to be saying all the right things. And he seems to really want to be a part of this project. So now it's just going to be stuff that we all know. I'm not saying anything here that we all don't already know, but uh, it's just, it's going to be on our move. Like the ball's going to be in our court whether or not we want to keep him in whether we can keep him happy and get him the pieces that he needs cuz i mean he's i think right now is a bit of a free hit this season so i, I but i think that there's no way he's going to want to be on board if we don't he can't do what he's done with this group for another full season we're we're punching way above our weight class right now and we're going to need a lot of a lot of new new faces in there this summer
3: yeah no definitely well, um, I think this might be a good place to go to MVP. So let's uh, l- let's start with Jeff first for MVP.
0: Um, I'm going to go with Sun because of the two goals and an assist um, with a really close runner-up of Romero. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that, that's,
3: that's the pick right there, right? Uh, the, those are the two guys that you have to go with this one. But um, but two goals and an assist, it's tough to argue <laughs>
0: Right, and that second goal was gorgeous. That, oh, yeah. That shot up into the upper corner there where you cannot defend it at all. Off yeah. of his left foot, that was gorgeous.
3: Yeah, no, definitely. Tell me, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I got Sun as well. Um, I can definitely agree with Romero if you or Lucas choose him. Um, But uh, Jeff brought up the point about Hugo. So, I mean, I, I got to give him a, a slight honorable mention as well. I think he was – I mean, yeah, Harry Kane got the uh, – Goal in the first half, but the first half was still kind of back and forth here, there, and like Romero and Hugo definitely saved their asses, uh, literally and figuratively in that first half. So um, if it wasn't for them and le- lesser connected, could have been 2-1 easily. But I'll, you know, I'm very thankful and I'll take what I can get from that. So yeah. no biggie.
2: Uh Lucas? Yeah, I was trying to decide too. I was thinking kicking it around between Hugo and Romero just because I think that they were instrumental in keeping us in that game while we found our footing and finally got things going. But I just think it's hard to disagree with two like two goals and an assist. I mean, you got to think Sun, so I'll give it to Sun as well. Yeah.
3: I I was go- I was going to go with Romero, but then like I I had forgotten about the assist <laughs> which you know, t- technically the uh the corner is the assist I think it's got to be son but it was tough not to pick Ramiro for me because uh, he just was so fantastic it kept us in that game He he started that the, the second goal you yeah, know he started the play that made that happen uh he was just fan-
2: he's a magnificent player. He's just so comfortable on the ball in such in like tight situations around our own box. He doesn't seem to panic. He can just float around and get the ball where it needs to go and yeah, he's so fun to watch. Yeah.
0: Well, it's better than watching Davison Sanchez. <laughs> <yes>. Oh <out laughs> my god. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, with the screaming died out. Oh yeah. man.
1: Yeah, the uh yeah, I would say with Romero the only person that would be sec or A first place above him would probably be Michael Dawson, just because he was all hard. And I say that with Jesus Christ
2: on a bike.
0: (laughs) For those who get a room, Tommy, are you going to see anybody when you're in London? Yeah,
1: well, actually, I'll we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. I'll fill Anthony in later. Oh, uh, uh, oh no! no, I,
3: I think we have to do that at the end of the podcast
2: on the mics. Well, it's funny, though, you brought up Sanchez because, like, Romero, when Romero's on the ball, he could be on the ball by himself with six guys around him, and you just feel comfortable that he's going to make the right play and he's going to figure it out. Sanchez can be on the ball by himself with nobody around him, and you feel like it could lead to a goal, or he might just do something and freak out and cause some kind of chaos. So yeah. it's, like, it's complete polar opposite feelings that, when those two guys are thing. out there. It might
1: be a Juventus thing with uh, – because I would say the same thing with uh, Kuliszewski. Because, like, you know, when he's on the ball, he, like, doesn't panic. Like, yeah, Yeah, the last last two games, yeah, they were frustrating. He didn't look good. But as a whole, he's he's always been calm and he knows what he needs to do. He doesn't panic. He always has his head up when he has the ball. So, you know, Romero, same thing, just on the opposite end of the field. So, I don't know what they're drinking in Turin, but probably probably that detailing wine. But, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, let's go to LVP and we'll go back to Jeff. Um, my my LVP is Lucas Mora for all the reasons I already stated. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good case. Uh,
3: Tommy?
1: Yeah, same. It's nothing personal. I mean, he just. I, oh, I forget who it was. It was either you, you, Jeff, uh, Joe, or Catherine said it last week, but it's like, who was the player of least value? Sorry, Lucas, that's you.
2: Yeah, uh,. Yeah, Lucas. I, I can't argue it. Um, like I said, I think it was really important that we had some kind of change in that first half that changed things up from the previous two games. But anytime you're getting subbed off in like that early and that guy comes in and is immediately – it's that evident how much – like how just things changed immediately when Kulachevsky came on. That means that you were probably the weak link there and that you were the problem. So. I think that one was pretty obvious. Lucas was the LVP for me too. You are the LVP yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> The only person that I could come up with that, and I don't think he was terrible. I think, as I said, Ben Davis. There were points that he was kind of ugly. He he almost led to some o- opportunities for Lester, but I don't think it can compare with just like the lack of uh, value added by Lucas. And uh, and you, you need lack in what, of value. The lack of value <laughs> added. Yeah, there was no value Fair added. Not. Um uh I just don't think we can argue that he anybody else was the LVP in this one. Uh well any final thoughts bef- on this match before we go to half? I'm good. Okay, well I think that about wraps up the half the in the second half we are going to preview Le- uh Liverpool and we will we'll talk a little bit about the remainder remaining fixtures and, uh, and what it means for us in the table um, before we wrap up the episode. But first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. All right, here we
2: go. Luke's Locks, who's ready for some free money. Here are your four free money picks of the week. First up, we are going to take Burnley plus a half goal at home versus Aston Villa. Burnley is fighting to stay up in the Premier League right now, and every point is crucial for them. They have been battling very valiantly to this point and have had some good results lately. I expect them to come out, give a strong performance for their home fans, and grab at least a point in this one. So take them plus the half goal there. Next up, we're going to take Tottenham plus one and a half goals on the road at Anfield this Saturday. Liverpool are obviously competing with Man City to go and win the league and have been in flying form as of late. Uh, but Spurs, however, we've not lost a game by more than one goal since early February, and that was against Wolves 2-0. So I think we'll definitely will not have enough to go ahead and get a point or a result in this one, but I think we'll have enough to keep this one close. So take Spurs plus 1.5. Third, we are going to take Arsenal minus 1.5 at home versus Leeds. Leeds have been really poor as of late. Um, they've conceded multiple goals in their last few games. Arsenal have been also flying high and have their sights set on a top four finish. So I expect to see a continuance here of both these teams' forms and Arsenal to roll to an easy win at home. So take Arsenal minus one and a half in that one. Finally, we're going to take Everton plus a half goal on the road versus Leicester. Uh, Leicester really haven't much to play for at this point, whereas Leicester, or er, Everton, excuse me, are in a fight for survival. Uh, Every point is massive for them as well, and they just took a massive three points this weekend uh, at home versus Chelsea, so I expect them to ride that momentum and get a point on the road at Leicester this weekend. So take Everton plus the half goal in that one. There are your four Luke's locks of the week. Let's get
3: rich, kids. Thanks as always, Lucas. Uh, So the next conversation before we start previewing Liverpool, I do want to have a conversation. So Chicago Spurs are going to London. Uh, we, it's been a couple years because of the pandemic And uh, finally we're sending a, a contingent out And actually only one of us here at the table is going So I'm going to pass it off to you, to Tommy.
1: Thanks, Anthony Um, So early or middle of the season Anthony tasked me with kind of helping out with creating a trip So for those who don't know, we're going to the Burling game So um, Lucas might be there, Mike will be there He's been on. Um, Sam, who does our social meeting uh, and does come on once in a while when he's not working, um, he'll be there as well. Uh, Sam, who used to be on, um, British Sam, he'll be there as well for the Arsenal game as well. I'll be there for the Arsenal game. So um, we will have – or I have some scarves to hand out. So if you see an Asian guy with a Michael Dawson jersey, if I have a scarf, I might give it to you. Or if if you want it, just come over. We do not bite. Um, the other thing is Robbo, he is one of the uh, I don't know, one regulars at the bar. Yeah, one of the regulars at the bar. Um, he created a bunch of coasters for the bar. Um, he's going to – I don't know he probably has already, but he made an order of uh, Chicago Spurs coasters. So I think he got – ordered like 125 of them, so we'll probably be handing them out uh, for Burnley or either before the Burnley game if we're going to hang out at the bar or in the stadium if not – We'll probably do it sometime after. So as Andy said, there's a lot of us. I I requested what fifteen plus tickets. So we'll be there, we'll be loud, we'll be proud. And um just kind of just personal request, I guess. Um I'll be at the Arsenal game because I found tickets, but there'll be a few others that have that will be in London that Thursday. So if anybody knows anybody that has spares tic- spare tickets. Um, contact the podcast account if if you could, and we could work something out and help some fellow Chicago Spurs members uh, take this off the bucket list. Um, other than that, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but uh, this is gonna be an action packed game or week or vacation week for me because Thursday I got the North London Derby, Friday I got the Michael Dawson thing in Chesington that night. Sam's going with me, so. That'll be fun, and then a bunch of us we're gonna do the Skywalk and Stadium tour on Saturday, and then the game on Sunday. So that's gonna be very action-packed. Hopefully, I won't be spursed out, but at least I have Monday and Tuesday to recover for that from that and I don't know anybody else have anything to say well,
3: if, if you're English listeners definitely uh, reach out and meet up you, you can contact Sam, Sam who's going on the trip uh, runs our uh, Twitter account so uh, that's a good place to, to, to message us if you, if you want to meet up with anybody from the the podcast that's going to be there um, or from Chicago Spurs that's going to be there. Um, there I'm sure there's going to be lots of bar hopping after matches and before when possible so uh, yeah.
1: And d- well, also, I know. Well, me, Sam, Mike, um, some other people from the bar like Jim, Jeff. I don't know who else, but uh, they're going to be there Thursday. So we kind of discussed it already. If whoever doesn't have tickets, they're probably going to watch at a bar around the stadium. So see if you see some of us. Of like I said, say hi. We don't bite. And yeah, that's all I got. Anything in anybody have Anything else to say, Lucas? You you might you said you're probably gonna be yeah. the Burnley, right? I'm
2: yeah, I'm probably I'm hoping for just at least the Burnley one. Um, just new job. I don't know what my hours are as of yet, so I'm hoping to swing at least one of those. That would be awesome.
3: Cool. Well, um, before we talk Liverpool, I do want we had a um, we. It's an injury that already existed, but we had a. A significant update in an injury that had already occurred. So Oliver Skip um, was in the United States this week uh, getting surgery. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. So he uh, was really kind of our only midfield backup other than Winks. Uh, probably the only one that we have faith in anyway. Um, so quite a quite a loss at this point in the season. I mean we've been playing without him for a while now, but um, but I just wish him the best uh, of luck with the recovery.
2: Yeah, uh, for me, the big thing on this one is it's, it's hard to call it really a loss because we've kind of all just expected that we've all kind of probably come to terms with the fact that he wasn't going to be there for the rest of this season anyway. But I, the thing that drives me nuts is this is a trend that we have. We've seen this before with, like, our physio staff, and it, it's I, I just don't understand. Again, I'm not a surgeon. I don't know what the plan is like I'm sure the Spurs have guys that are much smarter than the four of us when it comes to dealing with these types of things but for me it's the lack of communication to us that is what drives me nuts and we've seen this exact same thing with the likes of Danny Rose when he had uh, that injury in like January of one year and then It was, oh, he's back in training. Oh, he's training with the first team on and off. Oh, he's kind of back in the gym. Oh, he's doing this. And they strung that along for like three months and then told us in April, oh, he's having season-ending surgery and won't be available till the following winter. So, uh, and it was the same we saw with Lamella. Lamella Lamella was the same exact same thing. So, it's like if if this is going to be the game plan, if again, if it could be something like, We need something to heal a certain way before we have the surgery. I'm sure that there's a a lot going into this. But don't they they keep communicating to us as if he's just about to come back, and he's just about to come back, and he's just about to come back. He's doing this bit of training. He's back on the field. He's working with the guys in the weight room. He's doing all this stuff. And then to just come out of nowhere and be like, oh, it's over. I I don't get that because – at least we could at least clue us in as to what the plan is so we're not thinking every week oh well, we're almost going to have skip back and then all of a sudden now we're having the surgery now and he's not going to be able to do anything all summer and he's not going to have a preseason and I hope he's ready for August and all this new shit that gets added into it it just it just it feels like the club just blindsides you with this crap instead of just kind of cluing you in as to what the actual process is.
3: Do you think it's our lack of depth and, and knowing that we can't miss players that, uh, as much as, say, a Liverpool or a City? Like, they they obviously can have an injury, and they've got enough depth to, to back the, that player up. Um, with us, like, maybe they're trying to psych out other teams a little bit and just say, oh, like, yeah, we're going to have Skip back soon. Yeah. Um, not that I think that really makes that big of an impact on how teams approach us or anything like that, but um, but it's the only explanation that I have because I don't think it's a good thing either.
1: Yeah, my, my issue or my counter with that is I I don't think that's likely. I mean, Oliver Skip when he was playing for us, he was very important. He had a good s- string of games this year and last season. So whoever is playing against us is going to be a heavy hitter, a minnow, mid-table, etc., they should know that he's a very important player in the squad. So if healthy, he's playing. I think the only th- justification I can see from this, and one of the other examples um, Lucas didn't was Harry Kane. So, like, right before the pandemic, he was injured, and, like, that actually gave – kind of gave us a little boost because of the pandemic. Like, I remember he was, like, recuperating, doing, like, physical therapy in, like, Abu Dhabi. And then, like, what, in July – or June or July, once everything restarted again – you know he was ready to go, but um,
2: son was hurt too. We were we were decimated yeah, exactly. when the pandemic hit. It was, like...
1: but so yeah. Remember, remember the champions league? No one healthy, league yeah. and there was nobody to play. I remember we were supposed to
2: play United that Sunday right before the pandemic hit, and I was like, we might lose this game by ten. I don't know who we're going to field a team with. Like,
1: but so this is my argument. Well, my argument. Agree or disagree? We can debate this all. You- all you, if you guys want to. My argument is. The doctor's there, and uh, Daniel Levy probably has the philosophy of, like, let's not do surgery if we don't need to. Let's see how it goes because, I mean, sur- surgery can go wrong. You know, let's recuperate the player via physical therapy, you know, blood spitting like they did with Gareth Bale years ago. Uh, I don't know, whatever. So, and then if that doesn't work, then opt for surgery. But, again, I'm, I'm on the same boat as Lucas because we talked about it last week. It's just – I remember with Oliver Skip, they're like, okay, or I remember I think it was like physio table or something. Like they always keep track of like injuries. They said that he would, he'll be ready in by the beginning of April, and of course, that is false. So I'm like, other than that, like I don't know what it is because, like, for argument's sake, if they offer surgery right at the beginning, this is chump change because. As terrible as it sounds, these players are an investment for the club to reach new heights, make more money, win trophies, etc. So I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't offer that in the beginning, you know. Or it's like I mean, if you have a if you have I mean, Lucas is probably us because he's a paramedic, but like if you have swelling in the knee or whatever, it could take what a week at the most for the swelling to come down. So. Doctors or whomever should be able to assess the issue right after that. I don't know. So it's just.
3: There are injuries yeah. I think that can happen. Yeah. That, like, th- this is a minor tear in a place that could heal itself with physical therapy. Um, let's see if that's going to work. And then you, later on, you determine that you need Nobody. surgery. But with the lack of information is what makes
2: it so yeah, we're, that's, we're just speculating that's, here. And, yeah. And, and like I said, for me, there's, there's a million different variables when it comes to injuries and how bodies heal. Everyone's different, stuff like that. But we've just seen this trend with Spurs where my, my big thing is tell me that there's a plan and I'll back it up. Even if the plan ends up being – wrong or just not working at least there was a plan of attack and we went after it and that was what it was it was communicated to us like look this is what the plan is we're gonna do x y and z and i'll be behind you i'll say great but when we get into these types of situations it feels like there's no plan and we feel like i feel like we've ended up with the same results multiple times, and the plan's not being communicated to us, so we're here every week thinking, oh, we're one game away from having skip back or stuff like that. I just wish there was a little bit better communication saying, this is what the plan is, and we'll go from there. I'll support it, but like I, just, I need to know that we have some clue as to what we're doing, not making the same mistakes every time, and it ends up costing us nine months without one of our best players.
1: But here's the other kicker, though. Um, when it comes – So that it's Antonio Conte said last week, he's like, I don't know anything about this, like, so don't ask me these questions. So I'm like, if he doesn't know about this or even Mauricio Pochettino back in the day being all crypt about everything and everything, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not being communicated with this as well. So it's just like, wait and see and make do with the players that you have. Well, that so, sounds
2: problematic to me. If Conte's oh, exactly. out of the loop, that's a problem. Like, and, if you,
1: and if you have a guy like whether it be Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, et cetera, and you got a heavy hitter coach who's either the best in the world right now or arguably the hottest property right now or previously the pr- best manager in the previous decade, they don't know anything. Like, that's a big chain of command issue as well. I'm like, why aren't they knowing about this?
0: Well, let's give Jeff last word What's on the, this. Ju- there's such a big difference between American and English and European sports, right? Because injuries and being disabled is built into American sports, right? In baseball, you have the disabled list. In the NFL, you have the IR. So you know if somebody gets hurt how long they're going to be out. And American sports always tend towards surgery, right? If there's a problem, if a pitcher you know hurts his arm, he's going for Tommy John, goodbye, see you in a year. And there is there is such a reluctance in the Premier League and other overseas leagues, to do that for right or wrong, it's just interesting. So I think as American fans, a lot of times we're like, "Well, wait, we should know a lot more what's going on because that's what we're used to." Um, it is kind of a fascinating "what if," though. I mean, if Skip hadn't been hurt, you know, would we have had a three-man midfield? Would he have been out there with Hoyberg and kerr Would think he, he bench toy I, I think he would replace Or Would they rotate? I mean. It maybe gives us some, options, which is right. which is always good. And some of those games we lost, maybe we wouldn't because we could, you know, those games where we were getting overrun in the midfield, he could have brought in, you know, Skip as a third. But
2: yeah, I think, I think yeah. that Bright, that Brighton game a couple weeks ago, I think was the perfect example where they were able to dominate possession in the midfield. I think Skip is Skip would have been perfect for that game against Brighton. I don't think we lose that one 0 if Skip's playing.
3: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Like uh, the way he he can break up play in that midfield is uh, like he, he doesn't ha- necessarily have what Benton Cor can do going forward, but he uh, like his, his him as a defensive partner to just break shit up and and let him contribute Benton Cor contribute more to the attack. I am excited to see him next year, and I hope he recovers well, and and that's ultimately ultimately the most important thing. Let's wish him Oliver Skip his best get back to us quick hopefully by next season he'll be uh, back with the squad and uh, and we'll see how he's going to fit it into uh, Conte's system next year ideally but let's move the conversation along so we have to preview this Liverpool match Um, I don't think any of us are particularly excited to to, to preview this match and I'm not going to go into like an in-detailed preview but as we know they're in second place in the league they're competing for the top spot with Man City. Um, they've um, had m- wins across the board in recent matches in all competitions, for the most part. Um, and we know they've got some really good goal scorers, and uh, Salah Jada's scoring a lot. Um, this is a really good team, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and we're playing. Yes. We're playing in their house. Um, how are you guys uh, feeling about this one with a kind of a must-win because of the, that Brighton and uh, uh, Arsenal? Yeah. Well, I, the, the, uh, the Brighton like, and the Brentford results. Brentford results, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, we've kind of – like, we've made this game now – I mean, in theory, we still control our own destiny, um, but I, I think that's a little far-fetched uh, at this point. Uh, I think Arsenal coming out and beating – united chelsea and west ham all in the bounce really kind of it really screws us because th- it makes this game now a lot more important than if if arsenal had dropped points in a couple of those games or something this could be a little bit of a free hit where we could say hey maybe we go try and get a point at anfield and take that that would be grand but i think now it's we need the win and unfortunately so do they and so they're going to be going for it they have no other choice because it's not like Man City's going to be slowing down anytime soon. They're steamrolling teams, and they have the point advantage over Liverpool. So Liverpool needs to get three points out of their remaining games, and I don't think they're going to let us stand in their way. Um, in theory, sure, we could go out there and we could get that win. Um, we've gone to Man City and gotten the win. You know, We've gone to Man United and played a great game and bar Ronaldo hat-trick, we should have probably walked away with three points out of that one. So for me, it's it can be done. But against a team like Liverpool, you're going to have to have 90 minutes of as close to perfection as you can be. Um, I think that City game is an example where I thought for 90 minutes we played phenomenal in that game against Man City. Um, We were on it from the opening whistle to the end, and we walked away with three points. Whereas we haven't been able to string together 15 minutes of excellent play in the last few games, so I don't know how we're going to come together and throw 90 minutes of a game together. Um, some of the mistakes we made this weekend, we were lucky that the guys on Leicester weren't able to capitalize, and we saw that against Brentford as well. Brentford had some opportunities that we gave them off our mistakes, and they weren't able, they weren't clinical enough to actually put them away. Liverpool is not that team. Liverpool is one of those teams where if you give them those mistakes, especially in your own half, they will bury you, and they did it to United, they've done it to Uh, who they just knocked, uh, they just did it to what Villarreal or whoever they're playing in the Champions League semifinals, so they're they're flying high and if you give them opportunities they're going to bury you, so uh, to me, I don't really I don't sound too optimistic, but uh, like I said, it could be done, I just don't see where we're going to put together 90 minutes of a complete ball game where we haven't been able to throw a 20 minute stretch together in the last few games
1: Yeah, that's I mean, Lucas, I'm pretty much in agreement here. It's like, start to finish, we need the perfect game. And this is the big one. Um, Yeah, Arsenal's the big one, but they're not without fault. Um, Liverpool, they got so much depth. They have so many players. Um, On paper, they're more talented than us, whether it be starting 11 or depth. Um, I mean, realistically speaking, we know what starting 11 we're going to have. The only potential difference is... I mean, yeah, Kuliszewski had uh, two assists, but maybe Conte brings him off the bench again. You know, because, I mean, let's be realistic. Lucas Mora, through all of his faults, he, he's got the speed. He always puts in his effort. He does draw a lot of fouls. So he draws a foul in the right place, whether it be penalty or very close to the box. That could work to our advantage. Um, but it's got to be very opportune and or at the right time. So... And the thing with Liverpool, it's, you know, like I said, great talent. But they're disciplined. They're very organized. So, I'm hoping that Antonio Conte has another trick up his sleeve. I'm not hedging my bets with that, of course. Um, we we'll go to predictions later, of course. But I am de- i don't know what I'll predict. But I'll, if we can go in getting a tie, we still, in theory, control our destiny because... If we beat Arsenal,
2: no. If we drop points, it's not on, it's not in our hands anymore. Okay, then
1: well we're fucked. Anyway. We need to win. It sounds like we're fucked. <laughs> well, so, it, I, mean,
2: I think like uh, with
3: like wingbacks is the real problem. We're so outmatched and on the uh, the wings that I just I have difficulty seeing how uh, what the solution is now. Conte could be the could have the magic solution that we're not all expecting like hell he did it against city at their home uh granted we're their bogey team which i think is uh kind of gave us the advantage we're already in their heads we're not in liverpool's heads and we never win there and uh that's yeah like that's how, the big how, one. how do we how do we overcome that that wing back deficiency there's got to be a hell of a plan in place to accomplish it what do you think Jeff?
0: so i was just gonna say so liverpool right at home this season in 17 games 14 wins three draws no losses only conceded seven goals but on the other hand we've already had a huge impact on the title race right we took six points off a city did the double on them and we already have a draw with liverpool at home um I just have this weird feeling that we have a spoiler role to play in this. Um, and yeah, I'm sure you will have the team up for Liverpool. Liverpool plays, they come out and play, and we play better when it's an open field, run up and down, track meet game. So I'm more optimistic than you two do, doom and yeah, gloomers.
1: I'm not saying you talking me <laughs> off the ledge, Jeff, but that does help. But you did bring up a good point, though. They play similar to us. So my big, i think the biggest thing is if Deion starts is antonio conte has to be smart enough to send out a sub in the 60 65th minute if things are not looking good so bring on lucas more let them let him run past everybody bring on bergvine you know um, because and I, I harp on this all the time but it's it's like like for whether like against brentford and uh, Brighton, it's like he waited. It's like Pochettino, where he waited way too long to bring on subs. I'm like, What are you doing? I'm like, Clearly, what you're doing now is not working. I know you have no depth, but throw somebody on. Let's see what they can do. So that's my only other ask. I'm just, I, we can, my own, I mean, we have a shot in a prayer and act of God, but we gotta be disciplined. We gotta stay in our position. Where we're at, like we can't deviate from that. We got we gotta play smart. And
3: the the wing bikes have to be on. They yeah. They can't get caught out too far forward. Those stupid stuff. Um they they have to be able to get back and help protect because even the back three with as good as Ramiro is is gonna have a tough time handling their attack. And and they're gonna have their pretty much their full strength uh, attack i think Firmino might be um hurt like there there's a chance that he's um not available for this one but otherwise like their attack is in place and uh and that that can be pretty lethal and they've rotated this week a little bit between their with their and we do have the advantage of their th- they have uh champions league to worry about um, Wait, they're still
0: in everything
3: as so opposed yeah to, uh, they have <laughs>
2: FA Cup as well I think they' or, or, or no yeah they're in the FA Cup final too mm-hmm. I think right so um, yeah look they, they got a lot on their plate um, but I think the thing that is the reason I'm probably the most as pessimistic as I am is just the fact that it's Anfield um, we seem to have these mental blocks that we can't get over and I think one of them is going to Stanford Bridge. I think one of them is definitely going to play at Anfield, and this group hasn't shown me that they've like I, I didn't really when we went to play Man City, we had just lost I think to Burnley. We just lost to Burnley. We had like a string of bad results together. Yet every one of us thought, yeah, we can go to Man City and get a win. Like we've done it before. We there's there was nothing. It was it you felt different about it because we've we've proven that we can go give Man City a game wherever we play them whereas with liverpool it seems every time we go to anfield it's just the deck is or the deck is stacked against us and we end up getting some heartbreaking loss or like we come out we lay an egg so it's it's this group hasn't shown me that they've they can overcome this particular hurdle which is anfield so i again like i said i think jeff's points are valid uh, we've seen that this team is i think we're one of the scariest teams in the league when it comes to counterattacking i don't think i think having Dayon, son and Kane might be the three most lethal guys on a counter-attack. And the stats show that with our goals alone that we've scored in this second half. I think we still lead the league and goals scored since we've signed or since the end of the yeah, January window.
0: Last, last 16 games. Yeah. The league.
2: So we can go out and score. It's just, we got to find, we got to dig deep and find something in us that can get us over this hump, which is getting three points at Anfield. I can't remember the last time we've done that. So yeah, like I said, it's, it's really unfortunate that we weren't able to get some help from other teams with, the, like, playing Arsenal because I think, like, anything less than three points here and all of a sudden now we don't control our own destiny anymore. So if we don't win this one, even a win against Arsenal doesn't get us back in control. So we will need some favors from the likes of Leeds, Newcastle, and <laughs> Everton. fucking Everton, I which is just that, like, yeah. That last game of the I year, mean, Everton's
0: going to need that game to stay if, up. Yeah,
2: so if we can't get... If we can't get three points in Anfield, we will need Everton, Newcastle, or Leeds to do us a favor. And that is a really daunting thing to say out loud. So it's going to come down to us. I really hope. One thing I do know is that we will get our chances. Um, Open game against Liverpool. We're going to find ourselves in a couple of opportunities in front of net where we can make or break that game. And it's just going to be one of those, do we step up and step up to the moment and get that stuff done or do we just come short and off the post or one of those just over the bar and that's how we remember it I mean it's gonna end up being down to Harry Kane I think and son are gonna have a couple of chances and I hope they can dig deep and find a way to get it in so you're or, saying there's a chance? <laughs> I'm saying there's a chance
3: well, maybe maybe wow. K- Conte has some kind of magic ketchup free uh Magic uh, snack or something like that that he
0: can give but everybody. Like if Berguin Bur- got his redemption moment here, right? Because we all yeah. remember, yeah. you know, last year. Him just miss, give him a bag of the waffles
1: goal. and maybe will motivate him to play better. Or, or and then be like, mm. "Here's a bag of stroopwafels waffles. You're coming off the bench eventually. will score if, a goal or two. You
0: can have ketchup this week. Yeah, or
1: give, <laughs> give him some HP sauce. Or
2: we could just drop off some. Uh, some anonymous lasagna to Liverpool or something the night before the game. No, but the way their
3: wing backs are what have me the most afraid in this one because I just don't see how we're going to get the ball forward and if if we do get like a, a chance to score goals, I think it's going to come from like a Ramiro popping the ball over yeah, the midfield. I think we're going to be playing long in this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, just in falling at Kane's feet or Son's feet and uh, and a few uh, magic goals and and maybe if we can get an early one, um, we can play a bit more defensive and, uh, and hopefully hold, hold off the tide for, for a while.
1: Yeah, so I've I actually thought about it. I'm like, against Brighton and Brentford, I'm like, why are we playing so shitty? And then, it, I mean, this is kind of obvious to me now, of course, because I can see the forest from the trees. But it's like, we were clogging up the middle. And it's like, why were we clogging up the middle? It's because our wing bats could do fuck all. You know, so, how you guys were saying earlier, I'm like, I mean, I think Cessignon probably will start. I, He's the better attacking option. Um, Royale. Regulon, didn't he have a knock or
0: something? Yeah, he's hurt. I mean, he was on the bench, I think. But I don't think he's going to use him unless it's like break glass in case of emergence. But yeah. like
1: you know, Royale, he's there. He's gonna be our starter by default. So they need the game of their lives. You know, no like kind of like Rocky Four, no fear, no pain, all that good shit. And uh, hopefully we can get something out of it. It's the only other th- I, I know we're not suited for this. But if we're a goal down or if we're tied, you know, we're we're gonna need we're gonna need the three points. So I I kind of want to see Antonio Conte roll the dice. You know depending on what it is, you know, maybe move Sessian to the true left winger and then play a flat or a back four, or take him out, or if he's not doing well, take him out and then have Ben Davis play the left back, and then just roll dice to get the attacking midfielder because we can score goals against Liverpool. It's just...
3: Tommy, I, I hate to say it. I don't think you're getting your back four. I think it, it would be more likely that we add a midfielder...
1: Oh, I'm not saying we're going to do this it, Like,
3: start. add a midfielder and just play two up top, then... Ah, then, then See, that's a thing, though. I, I don't think that's the solution. No, do, are are no. you counting Winks as a midfielder? No, this... Well, my option or, is... Or put on there, even. Like, Dayan can play in a, yeah. more of an attacking midfielder yeah, or well, be a 10. No, my
1: option is, like, later in the game, of course. So, but the other thing, though, is how you were saying with Winks. He's the next option to be midfielder. We're not putting Alfie Devine or whomever, you know? So, it's like... You're gonna you're gonna trust Winks helping with that midfield and carry things forward. Hell no! No, I I,
3: I said Dayon more into a central no. role. See,
1: that's the thing with me. It's like it's like Harry Redknapp back and they like he, like when Aaron Lennon was out, he would take Raphael Vanderwart as the right winger. I'm like, you keep your best players in their correct positions, and then tinker with the rest if necessary. That's my personal philosophy. I've never really coached professionally, so what the hell do I know?
3: But da- Dayon D- has played centrally before, though.
1: Yeah, but not as a central midfield. I mean, he, he did. He did at Juventus, didn't he? No, he was a lo- he was a right winger. I thought he
0: played some in the. Series. Yeah, no, but
1: he uh, played uh, some number ten, like for Sweden, but that's it.
2: Well, you know, it might be, it might be, end, that end up or might end up being what, what happens though is that we see something that none of us, maybe the thing that Conti has up his sleeve is. Show something that we haven't shown before and mix it up because you look like Klopp's going to be Klopp's watch the tape. Klopp knows exactly he's one of the probably the best manager in football. So I, it's it's not like Klopp's going to be surprised by what we throw out there if we throw the exact same thing that we've lined up for the previous eleven games. So ten in the back, yeah, it might be just hey maybe it's Dayon out wide or maybe or it's Dayon in the middle or maybe Bergvine comes in and starts like we don't know so. I, I trust I, – I will tell you this. I'm glad that we have Conti at the helm because I trust whatever he throws out there is probably going to be what our best 11 is. so um, Best 11
3: for this match. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I, all we can do is kind of hope and pray at this point. That, what was the
0: game earlier this year? Was it one of the Chelsea ones? He threw out a lineup and, like, it took, like – 20 minutes for everybody to figure out who was, like, what formation was it?
2: Yeah, I think it was Chelsea. where. who was really
0: where? Was it, wasn't it Chelsea's? Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, well, I think this is probably a good place to go to predictions. Um, let's keep the same order and we'll start with Jeff again for predictions.
0: <laughs> um, I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna say it's a 2-2 draw with goals from Kane and Son. Yeah. And 2-2 and draw isn't enough, though, is it? I... I'm on record to say I think Arsenal will lose to Newcastle, and I fully expect Everton to beat them in the final game because Everton will need it to stay up. Okay. Oh. okay I mean, well. I'd
1: still rather have Burnley stay up, though, but that's a different Tom, story. Uh, Tommy? <sighs> Jeff, I would oh, like –
3: Did he give us... Do you give us goal scores? Yeah, Kane okay, yeah, and Son.
1: I like your optimism. Well, somewhat optimism. I, Like I said earlier, I would gladly take a tie right now because um, that gives us a little bit of a prayer. Uh, loss, I mean, pretty much out of it. Um, and lightning hasn't struck twice for us in forever, so I'm gonna go with the loss. And I'll say we'll, we will lose one to three. And sun's got the hot streak, so I'll just say he scores.
2: Okay, uh, Lucas. Uh yeah, I don't have good thoughts about this one. I'm gonna say three-two to Liverpool. Kane scores a brace. Three-two to Liverpool.
3: Okay. Uh, I, I told myself I wasn't gonna do this, but uh, but I'm gonna give in to hope, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna predict a win. Well, uh, that's a
1: hope. Hey. It's the hope that kills you. Yeah. Be beyond the goods side. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm, I'm gonna predict a two-one
2: win. Um, Knowing us us will probably beat Liverpool, beat Arsenal, (laughs) beat uh, whoever Yeah, And then we'll lose to Norwich on the last day of the season or something
3: One goal is going to come from Son on a breakaway The other goal is going to come from uh, Lucas who gets subbed on late Getting uh, knocked down in the box Creating a penalty for Kane to, uh, I like score it. the <laughs> penalty
0: I thought you could say he falls yeah. into the yeah. net with yeah. the ball Yeah
3: that, that, that's my uh, Prediction there so Kane, Kane and son But uh, with the Lucas uh, uh, Drawing a penalty In the box
1: He's been known to draw fouls so Stranger things have happened
3: Yeah yeah, I, I, it's And I don't even believe my prediction But I'm going to go with it I hope for the win Here because because we need it And how much of a Pick up would that be for us if, if we were yeah. to win this game? Um, well, just want to have a quick couple minute conversation. Lucas, you've already already started talking about a little bit. Like our remaining fixtures uh, th- this year, like we've got Liverpool, we've got uh, um, Arsenal, Arsenal Burnley, Burnley, and then Norwich. In, in the Norwich. Now, this is the big one that we can't afford to lose because of what we've done before and now you know like uh, if we get this win then a win against arsenal becomes um we can we can take down <laughs> top 4 and try and hold it with
2: a couple of winnable matches yeah if we win this one it's it's then it's still in our hands finishing top 4 still is 100% in our control and i think if we win this one I could really see it going our way because then it's that game against Arsenal is going to be electric. That place is going to be buzzing and it is going to be a hell of an atmosphere. It's the first time that we're actually having a North London Derby with them back in N17 with a full stadium. We've played them a couple times in the new stadium, but it's not been with fans. And one of them had like 2000 fans and one of them had no fans. And so this is going to be the first time that we're having a proper day out against them at home. And, I think we're going to be up for it i think we're going to be flying all over the place and i just hope that we can get this liverpool win because if we don't then even if we do go out there and beat arsenal it's still we're still going to need favors from a couple of really bad teams
1: so the other thing like norwich i'm not saying i mean our destiny could be sealed by then and they have no motivation right now so it's like I mean, to be fair, we did lose to Burnley and Newcastle on the last day um, of seasons, like, years ago. And there was no motivation for them, and we still fucked it up. But uh, Arsenal, it is the first midweek game in a few months. That's going to be tough, because usually those midweek games against Middlesbrough and whomever, we usually lost, and we haven't done well. So there's precedent there. Um, Burnley depending on how things go if everton fucks up or they actually pick things up, they could uh Burnley will have to be up for it and they're gonna have to start to play. So in on paper we should be able to handle Burnley but they are rough and tumble and you know so that game could be tough as well so yeah look you can
2: only go one at a time really and when you think about it each game's going to have different circumstances I think the big thing for me to just that I keep trying to remind myself is it it's really going to suck and it's going to be a real kick in the nuts if we're not able to get top four and Arsenal finishes fourth that that's just going to be really tough to swallow but that being said I do try to just keep reminding myself of where we were in October when we got Conti and this was a being top four was a pipe dream when we had Nuno on his final days there so this entire year is kind of a free hit when you look at it saying this entire year was since Conti's come in it's been about Conti evaluating these guys seeing what needs to be what, ne- what guys need to stay what guys need to go what needs to be addressed in the summer signings so I, I think that yeah it is going to suck if we're not able to finish top four but we'll still be in Europe and we'll have we'll have covered miles of ground from the time that Conti's got here and we're moving in the right direction and if we are able to spend and get the right guys in this summer we can have a hell of a year next year so that is the one part that I'm with these remaining games there's so much up in the air but that's what I just keep trying to remind myself of is that we've we've gotten a lot better and we've gotten a lot further than I could ever dream we would have gotten if you had told me on Halloween that we would be in the mix for top four in the last couple weeks of the season I would have thought you were insane
0: yeah and it's been such a crazy season not just us but everybody in the Premier League you know people are falling down left and right against teams you don't expect oh I mean we just had Chelsea lose to Everton last week yeah so I still think there's big surprises to come I think Newcastle's been on fire lately I think they're gonna give ours I think they're gonna beat Arsenal flat out but um, and so, it, even for us, there's still a worry because there's been. Pl- I remember plenty of podcasts where we we're like, "Oh God, you know, we're playing Brighton next." And yeah, you know, we, uh, we, oh we we were all. God, we I think every one of us predicted. Rules, every one of back. us predicted
2: beating Brighton by multiple goals. I think right. everyone had three nils, four nils, right. five nils, and then it was we lose right. one nil. So I think
0: the truth is the Premier League is a lot deeper than anybody wants to admit, and better overall. And you know, anybody. Yeah, you know, the NFL likes to say anybody can win any given Sunday, but I think it's way more true of the Premier League. I yeah. mean the Premier League is you know, it's it's the best league, and if you're not up for it, you're gonna lose. Yeah. No,
3: and the,
1: I don't know. My biggest thing though, and I've talked well, I haven't said it on the podcast, but like I've told other people at the bar or conversations with Lucas, but I'm like Yeah, Brentford and Brighton really just fucked it up because like we were in control of our own destiny and Everybody might say, like, oh, it's fucking Arsenal showing up again or playing when it matters. I'm like, you know what? That may be true, but we shouldn't have to rely on other teams picking up our slack. So, I mean, unfortunately, this is the growing pains, and these are the things that we're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah. of course, we all want Champions League because this can help accelerate things. This can get uh, Parachi and Conte, the players that they really want instead of their second or third options. But... I mean, things could be worse. I mean, it, I, I don't know. If we, if we if we had Nuno right now, I wouldn't – I can – We say, wouldn't be talking about yeah, four. We would definitely be <laughs> – I, I can say we would be at least ninth. Maybe, definitely below mid, or mid-table. I wouldn't be surprised just because of the morale and just the way we play. It's just not good.
3: Well, so, and, and we're s- – the the positive thing even if we don't get champions league we're solidly 5th right now i mean I, one more win and and we cannot be caught for for 5th place so we, we know we at least have europe uh, we, we don't have to worry about the stupid conference league like we, we know we're in a good position it's just we don't want to finish behind Arsenal and yeah, yeah like I said, Champions League is such
2: a big difference. It's, it's going to be it's, if it is what ends up being the case that we finish fifth and they finish fourth, it's going to suck and it's going to be it's going to be a real kick in the nuts. As but what,
1: the first time in what five six seasons they yeah, finished the ball yeah, was yeah. too, and it no. won't
2: be and it won't be like last year where we finished eighth and, or like seventh and they finished eighth or something. Yeah. It'll be them finishing in the Champions League, so it's going to be right. a tough pill to swallow, but we just got to remember that we are on the right track. We are moving in the right direction. And I like our, I like our prospects for the future. So I, if we finish fifth, if we finish fourth, what I can say is it will be where we deserved to finish because it was in our control and we got there and we either screwed it up or we finished and followed through and sealed the deal. So it's going to be up to us. And that's at the end of the day, even though, I think liverpool is grim at the end of the day as of right this moment we are in control of whether or not we finish top four and there's no place you want to be at the end of the season whether or there's no other place at the end of the year that you want to be in than controlling your own destiny
0: and like you know, to your point that you know back in november none of us thought we would be here right although it was united oh god united so talented yeah they're amazing like they they're, got Ronaldo. oh yeah. for sure they're gonna get top <laughs> four you know, and now they're they're out on the beach already. So it just goes to show. I mean, one, how great Conte has been as a coach. And please, dear God, don't leave next year. Or, and, or Daniel Levy yeah, do whatever he do
1: any everything he wants. If, if he wants you to join the mob and. Kill some people. Do it. He wants blowjobs at halftime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can blowjobs. I would. I'll
2: volunteer myself for that if it gets us <laughs> players this summer. I don't care. <laughs>
1: well, that just escalated things.
3: <laughs> but I think this is probably a good place to end the conversation. Uh, but great episode, guys. It was great to be talking here in person at the bar. Uh, but that about wraps it up. So thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Lucas for Luke's locks, Kimberly for the logo. And as always the Atlantic barn grill, it was great to be recording here in person. Again, we're going to be doing a lot more of these next season. Um, our date might jump around a little bit, but we'll, we're going to record at the bar here when possible. Um, Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get podcasts. Check us out uh, on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs!